Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Corinthians. Let's study communion for just a moment. This is communion Sunday, the last Sunday of the month. We invite every person that's a believer that calls Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior to participate in communion. Communion belongs to the body of Christ. Amen. It should not be separated or segregated by different beliefs, but the whole body of Christ should participate in communion. Verse 23 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Here, take that, sweetie. Verse 23. Now, I've said this before and I still find it amazing. There were 12 disciples that sat at the communion table, the original communion table. Now, we know that one of them, the Bible says, went out and hung himself. That was Judas Iscariot. But that left 11 that sat at the original communion table, that witnessed what we would call the Lord's Supper, that was there when Jesus reached across the table and took the showbread, which nobody was allowed to do unless they were the Messiah. And he is also the one that reached across and grabbed the cup of the Messiah, which nobody was allowed to do unless they were the Messiah. So they understood, this is him, this is the one. That Moses prophesied, that Abraham prophesied, that all under that old covenant had looked for the Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. This is Him. This is Him right here. And so as they celebrated communion, I find it amazing that in writing New Testament revelation about that, He didn't use any of them. God didn't use. He could have used Peter. He could have used John. He could have used uh, uh, anyone of the 11 disciples that were left that were there at the Lord's Supper. But he didn't. He used the Apostle Paul. So Paul is the one that penned the revelation in the book of 1 Corinthians. Actually, we know that the book of 1 Corinthians was a book of correction. Uh, There was a great outpouring of the Spirit of God in Corinth. There were signs. There was wonders. There were miracles. There was all kinds of stuff going on. But it was all out of order and messed up. So he wrote the book of 1 Corinthians to put it back in order, to give revelation. One of the things that was out of order was communion. Because they were, commun- they were using communion as a feast. And as you came in to the communion uh, uh, time in the church, if you were rich, if you were wealthy, if you had a lot of substance, then they had a special place for you. But if you were not, then they'd kind of just let you stand in the back and observe and didn't have much time for you. And Paul was writing to correct that because that was not right. Communion is not a feast. Communion is an ordinance of the church. God has given two ordinances unique to the New Testament local church. Number one, communion. Number two, water baptism. Not one being more important than the other. There are just two. Communion and water baptism. That means a person who is born again. That means you've believed in your heart. You've confessed with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead. You should participate in both water baptism and communion. Now, I've had people ask me, how many times do I need to be water baptized? Well, if you're saved and you've been serving God, I'm, I'm sure one is plenty. But if you get away from the Lord and get away from God, I would suggest get water baptized again. If you're in a convenient location, I got water baptized. I was away from the Lord for approximately 13 years. And as soon as I got right with God, I went and got water baptized. 
But then I ended up about a year later in Israel at the Jordan River. And they were doing a baptismal service at the Jordan River. I went and got water baptized in the Jordan River. You say, well, what, what, does that mean anything? Yes, you are participating in an ordinance of the church. Communion is the same way. Now, when the church first began, they took communion every day. The church was unique in its application in the early days. If you'll go study church history, you see they'll ha- they had service every day. They received communion every day. And they also gave all of their money into the church. And the church took care of the saints. Well, that didn't last too long. I mean, let me figure out that wouldn't last too long. That didn't last too long. And literally the church evolved. I don't like to use that word, but it's a true word. The church evolved to a weekly service. And during that weekly service, many times communion was given. Now, there are a lot of religions that participate in communion that receive it every time they gather together. There is no standard in the Word of God. There is no instruction in the Word of God that says we should take it every time we gather together, every month. Every two months, every six months, I believe every church can create its own tradition. Our tradition here at Island Church is to receive communion on the last Sunday night of every month and also to receive it during special services. Christmas Eve, many times we receive communion. Uh, Many times on, what is it, uh, Good Friday, we'll receive communion during those times. And when you understand that, you understand, well, that standard is okay. It works for us. Does it work for you? Absolutely, it works for us. Now, let's look here in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Notice what Paul writes. For I have received of the Lord. Isn't that interesting? That which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Now, isn't it interesting? All of the pressure that must have been upon Jesus Christ. He knew that he would be crucified. He knew that the Sanhedrin would take him. He knew that he would be unjustly accused. He knew that the priesthood of Israel would offer him up as a spotless lamb. And with all this pressure, he knew that Peter would deny him. He knew that Judas Iscariot would betray him. But with all the pressure that was on him, he still involved himself in kingdom business. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? When all the pressure of life gets on you, Continue to involve yourself in kingdom business. You say, well, Pastor, I tell you, i got this going on at my job, and the doctor has said, and the bankers have said, and the economy's doing this and that. That doesn't matter. Keep praying. Keep reading the Word of God. Keep coming to church. Keep being a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep living righteous. Keep living holy, and God will bless you. That's the true proof of the pudding is when the pressure's on, do you still serve God? said, when he had given thanks, he took bread. When he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Now notice the term, this do ye in remembrance of me. Now, if you take this phrase and study it out, you will understand that this phrase is a covenant phrase. This is literally talking about what families used to do back in ancient days in the Middle East, how they initially, when they would cut a blood covenant with another family, understand what that is. They were like, like a family would have a great ability to farm, but no ability to defend itself. Now it would go up into the mountains maybe and find warrior families. 
And they would come together and they would cut covenants. Many times they would come up with a, a young man and a young woman out of each family and they would marry and that covenant would be rehearsed between the two families. Many, time a mark, many times a mark was made across the hand, across the palm in which blood was released and they would take and drop that in a goblet in wine and drink that as a part of that blood ceremony uniting those two families. And they would be united in purpose and united according to their strengths which means the farming family would supply food for the warrior family and the warrior family would defend the farming family as they grew the food in that they would rehearse the, the, the terms of the covenant and one of those terms would always include the phrase as they ended the ceremony this blood is thicker than water which literally means the blood of this covenant that we are cutting is thicker than the water that birthed you. Which means when it comes to relationships, this covenant is stronger than your human family. Now that's what they used to say in those ancient days. But I got news for you today. If you're part of the kingdom of God, if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water that birthed you. Which means you are part of God's family. You are born into the human family. Now by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're part of God's family. You're in the covenant. Now notice what it says. Take, when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, Take it, this is my body which is broken for you. Oh, I remember what I was saying. This do ye in remembrance of me. So from time to time, those families would get together and re-rehearse the terms of the covenant. To put in remembrance... This is why this person, this is why Aunt Jan and Uncle Bob have a scar in their hand. That's what this means. This is why every year at harvest time, we come down out of the mountains with our armor and we defend the other family. Amen. So we have a covenant based on the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The one that bears the scars of the covenant is seated at the right hand of the Father. And when we participate in communion, we're put in remembrance of the death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension, the entering into the Holy of Holies, and the pouring of the blood on the mercy seat. We are reminded of the significance of that and the power of it to set men and women free from the bondage of sin and unrighteousness. This do ye in remembrance of me. I like that. After the same manner, he also took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament, the New Testament, the New Covenant in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it. Here's the term again. In remembrance of me. For as oft as ye eat, the, eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth. You are participating in an ordinance in which everyone here is saying, I recognize and I remember the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you with me? It says, Wherefore... Whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily. Now he is addressing the particular situation that is going on in the Corinthian church. They were participating in the Lord's Supper in a manner that was unworthy. They were using it as a feast. They were gathering together. They were eating great amounts of food. And they were preferring the rich over the poor. Are you with me? So he said, that's not good. That's unworthily. It says, whosoever shall eat of the bread and drink of this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. We don't want to do that. But let a man or a woman examine himself or herself and so let him eat of the bread 
and drink of the cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Everybody say, not discerning the Lord's body. The Lord is showing us, when you come into this ordinance of the church, and you treat it as something other than it is, then you are not discerning the significance of what you are doing. You are breaking the ability of that ordinance to bless your life. And you are doing something that is breaking, bringing shame on what Jesus Christ has done. Now let me just say this. We've been around a few years in ministry. And I'm not really cut off the same cloth of, as a lot of preachers. I'm kind of more of an old school kind of guy. I believe the church is a holy place. Amen. I mean, now a lot of churches think they need to do anything they can do just to get people in. You know, they, 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 they put on all kinds of dramas and plays and do this and that and con stuff like that. Concerts. I'm not opposed to music. I'm not opposed to dramas and plays. But I am opposed to bringing anything into the church that is unrighteous or unholy. Amen? You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, there are certain things that although they may have the name Christianity stamped upon it, I see nothing worthy of building the local church in that. I mean, I remember one time I went to a meeting and a guy was singing and he was all, uh, you know, pumped up over. He had taken many of the old 60s and 50s songs and took the words out of it and then added uh, what he called Christian words. And everybody thought that's the greatest thing anybody could ever do. Well, that run its course for about three years and then it was over with. But I thought to myself afterward, it's amazing because he packed the church out. It's amazing a guy could come and pack the church out with that type of format. But two weeks later, one of the greatest teachers in our nation came to that church and about 300 people showed up. And I thought to myself, you're not getting it. The church ought to be a place that's holy. The church, this is where we teach the Word. Uh, how many were here this morning? When, how many came? Four got saved this morning? Four got saved? I think a couple of weeks ago we had eight. Two, uh, Easter Sunday we had 15 people. They came out of darkness into light right here at the altar. They came and they were unsaved when they walked in the door and saved when they walked out. They believed in their heart. They confessed with their mouth. Uh, many of them have come back to church and are being discipled by the Word. This is a holy place. Not that there's anything unique about it when it comes to location or the type of material that we've done, uh, used to build it or to make it. No, it's the fact that we use it, what we use it for. We use it to teach and preach the Word of God. We use it to lay hands upon people. We use it if you marry. We marry you at the altar, which is a holy thing. Uh, if you were to die, we would preach your funeral. We bury you here. Uh, there's other things that we do that are righteous and holy. We dedicate our children here. All of those kind of things bring a holiness into the sanctuary. So we don't want to do anything to defy that. And then when it comes to communion, we want to keep it right in line with the Word of God. Which we're doing what? We're doing, we receive communion to do what? To put ourselves in remembrance of of what God has done. Now notice what it says and we'll receive our communion. It says, For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, now listen to this, many are weak. That word weak translated out of the Greek is the word sickly. Many are weak, diseased. The word sickly is the word diseased. Many are sickly and diseased among you, and many sleep. The word sleep is die. Now you say, now wait a minute, preacher. Come on now. 
You mean just messing up communion will cause you to get sick and die? That's not what it's saying. Not discerning the Lord's body can inhibit God's healing power, can inhibit deliverance, can inhibit whatever it is you're believing God for. Because when you discern the Lord's body, you not only appreciate Jesus, who He is, and what He's done, then you look around at everybody else in the kingdom of God with you, and you discern that we're all a part of the Lord's body. So you walk in love one towards another. You don't get offended one towards another. You don't, uh, you know, segregate or separate yourself based on the amount of money you have in your pocket or the color of your skin or anything else. You discern the blessing of God will flow as long as we discern that we're all part of the body of Christ. Now you say that holds us to a higher standard. Absolutely it does. Absolutely. Remember one of the things we taught a couple of weeks ago about humanism and its doctrines. The fatherhood of God, the brotherhood of man. How God is the father of all humanity. No, He's not. God created humanity, but humanity fell. The first Adam sinned and caused all of humanity to enter into sin. But then the last Adam came. His name was Jesus. Amen. And because of Jesus, you can be born out of the human family and born again into God's family. And I want you to know, born, the term born again is not a charismatic term. The word born again is not a denominational term. The word born again is a phrase Jesus himself coined. He said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Therefore he provided his body to be broken and his blood to be spilled and offered so that we as the human family might become a part of God's family. And every time we receive communion, we celebrate that reality. Ooh, I tell you, that's powerful. Now notice, we'll close with this. For this cause, many are weak and sickly and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Communion time is a time to just judge yourself. I found out a long time ago, it does me no good to judge you. What good does that do for me to look at you and form an opinion of judgment? The only thing that I can do to help further the cause of Christ in my life is to judge myself. I have to judge myself on my love walk. Am I really walking in love toward people? I have to judge myself on how I handle money. I have to judge myself on how I pastor this church. I have to judge myself on my witness in the community. I have to judge myself on how, what kind of a father and husband. There are many areas in my life in which I continually and perpetually judge myself. Now, I want to judge myself. You say, why? So that I will not be chastened of the Lord or condemned with the world. You know, think of it like this. Think if you, if you didn't judge yourself on the way you ate, your diet. So all you ate every day was nothing but uh, uh, three musketeers, Reese cups, Milky Ways, and you washed it all down with a big frosty chocolate shake. That's all you ate every day. And then after about five years of that, you come waddling up the aisle. Amen. And you want to pray. You want to be healed. Pastor, I heard here at Island Church you pray for the sick. Yes, we do. Would you lay hands on me for healing? Absolutely. What's wrong? 
Well, let's see. They want to take my leg off. They want to cut my arm off. I'm going blind. I've got this problem. I've got arthritis. I've got diabetes. I've got all this going on. Well, here's the thing. I will pray for healing in your life. And even if you receive a miracle right here at this altar, you will not keep what God has given you unless you judge yourself. That means you're going to have to judge your habits Judge your lifestyles. Judge whatever it is that's in your life that's causing the curse to manifest. It says in Proverbs, the curse causeless shall not come. If there's a curse in your life, what's causing it? Judge yourself. Judging your brother or sister does you no good. But just judge yourself. What's your love lock? Your, your love walk like? You say, well, I'm mad at this person and mad at that person. This person really irritates me. And I love them all from afar. That was easy for me when I used to travel for all those years. I loved everybody from my hotel room. <laughs> Amen. But then God called me to pastor church. Uh-oh. You better figure out this love. That's where the rubber meets the road. Amen. Judge yourself financially. You know, not just on your tithing, your offering. Your How do you spend money? Is, is, is spending a narcotic Every time you're down, you go and run your credit card up. Judge yourself in those areas. Judge yourself on your witness in the community. Look at yourself and ask yourself, do people want what I have? There's all kinds of areas that if you'll judge yourself, you will not be judged of God. Now, that's not your eternal judgment. Your eternal judgment is settled. But judge yourself in every area of your walk with God so that you will be holy, righteous, without blame, serving God, and open to receive the full potential of the covenant that God has provided for us in Christ Jesus. Amen? You receive that tonight? Oh, hallelujah. Lift your hands and thank the Lord. Praise God. Come on, guys. You can pass out the uh, communion implements tonight. We invite every person that believes Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior to receive communion this evening. You don't have to be a member of Island Church or anything like that. We invite every Christian that desires to participate in communion to, to, to participate this evening. Uh, a friend of mine, many years ago, many years ago, this was back in the 40s, he held some really great meetings in Ireland. We'll be going to Ireland in, in, uh, in June. But he held some meetings for, for, a, for a certain denomination over there called the Brethren and had great success. They actually put up a, a tent and they, uh, I think he said in a week's time they had 400 conversions. People that were saved gave their heart to the Lord. Well, they invited him to come back to the church on Sunday morning and to speak. So he came back and as he entered into where the church was, now they weren't in the tent anymore, they were actually at the church. When he entered into the church, when he began to enter into the church, an usher stopped him and said, wait here outside the church. And so this minister friend of mine said, why do I have to wait outside the church? He said, because we're receiving communion in here and you're not one of us. He said, now wait a minute. He said, I've preached under the auspices of your denomination in your tent for a week and 400 people have been added to your church. But because I'm not of your denomination, I can't come in while you're receiving communion. They said, no, that's not discerning the Lord's body. Uh-oh. Didn't get many amens on that one. You have to understand, we cannot segregate ourselves down the denominational. Well, pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm Pentecostal. Oh, well, I'm Baptist. Well, I'm Methodist. Well, I'm Catholic. Well, I, I like what one preacher said. He says, when we go up, all the labels fall off.
He said, when you go down, they all burn off. So, so don't fight about it here on the earth. Amen. We love everybody. Somebody asked me one time, is Island Church a non-denominational church? I said, no, we're an all-denominational church. We have Baptists, we have Methodists, we have Episcopalians, we have uh, uh, Catholics, we have just about every kind of religion you can think of and some you've never heard of. But we're all part of one body. Jesus is our Lord. Jesus is our Savior. Amen? Praise God. Brother Roland, you can play softly for just a moment. Hallelujah. We'll make sure everybody gets served this evening. Hallelujah. Do you love the Lord tonight? Aren't you glad you're saved? Aren't you, aren't, you, aren't you glad that you know that if you were to die, you'd instantly be in heaven? Heaven is such a reality when you know the Lord. Thank God for heaven. Thank God for the message of the cross. Thank God for redemption. Thank God for all that God has done for us in Christ Jesus. And I tell you, when we celebrate communion, we ought to always have in our minds and in our hearts the reality of what God did for us. How amazing is that? You know, the Muslim religion, and studying, and I don't suggest anybody study other religions because a lot of that stuff will harm you, harm your thinking. But you know, one of the reasons the Muslims are so adamant against Christianity is because they cannot serve a God who came down out of deity and became humanity. But oh, thank God He did. Thank God Jesus came and took on humanity that we through Him can be partakers of the divine nature. Hallelujah. That divine nature is not afraid or fearful. That, that divine nature is not broke or impoverished. That divine nature is not sick and weak. But that divine nature is strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And if you'll just make a decision to make a discovery of who you are, what you have, and what you can do in Christ Jesus, it will radically change your life. You'll never see God the same, and you'll never see yourself the same. I tell you, we don't have to be defeated. Jesus is Lord. Amen. Is everybody served this evening? Make sure if you've not been served, lift your hand and you want to, everybody's cool? Praise God. Let's take the bread this evening. Father, we're so thankful. Lord, traditionally, in the Jewish household, they set that showbread upon the table, representing the will of man and the will of God, meshed together in unleavened bread. And Father, we know Jesus took that bread and He broke it representing that God will bless the human family to the point that their own will will be broken and meshed together with the will of God. Tonight, in remembrance of the significance of that broken body, how He was abused, how He was beaten, all that took place to bring redemption's reality into our life. Tonight, in remembrance of it, we break the bread and we receive it thankfully in Jesus' name. You can receive the bread. And Father, we're so thankful tonight. The Scripture says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11, that not by the blood of bulls and goats, but by His own blood, He entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us, Purchasing our freedom, free from sin, free from iniquity, free from unrighteousness, free from the pain of living a life estranged from God. Thank you, Jesus, that you've become by your blood the answer to the problems of mankind. 
Father, we know that Jesus shed his blood seven times while he was here on the earth. In the garden, in the brutal beating, the crown of thorns upon his head. Uh, Lord, we know that when they nailed his hands and feet, we know when they stuck the spear in his side, the blood flowed. But we know he also gathered that blood and entered into the holiest of all in heaven itself and poured that blood on the mercy seat. And because of that, God gives us mercy today. His ability to stop from happening to us what should happen to us because we're born into the human family. By His blood, He has brought us in union with Himself so that we might be part of God's family. We thank You for the blood. It puts us in remembrance of Him. In Jesus' name, receive the cup. Thank you, Lord. Now just take a moment and worship the Lord. Just thank Him for His goodness. Just thank Him tonight that you're redeemed, not by corruptible things, but by the precious blood of Jesus. And just as in the days of old, when Egypt tried to hold back Israel, and, and God said, put the blood on the doorpost. And when the death angel came, when he saw the blood... He passed over. And I thank you tonight, Lord, that the blood of Jesus is on the doorpost of our hearts. And because of that, death has to pass over. Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? It's been swallowed up in the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You love the Lord tonight. Oh, thank Him one more time as you stand. We thank you, Father. Lord, we bless your name. Come on, rejoice tonight, church. Rejoice, rejoice in the eternal sacrifice of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. Oh, we thank you, Father. We glorify your name. We exalt you, Lord. Now, Father, we leave. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.